0: <laughs> this is Mistress Ray, and you're listening to What's This Bitch Talking About?, to which the answer to that question is every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, exactly 20 years and <clears throat> a couple of weeks after its original air date. So today we're talking about Storyteller, which originally aired on February 25th, 2003, written by one of my favorites, Jane Espenson. She did most of the comedy writing for the trio and directed by someone named Marita Grabiak. I am assuming that Marita is a woman's name. So this might be one of the only episodes of Buffy directed by a woman. We do have female writers on Buffy, but not usually female directors so i just wanted to point that out and again it might not be i guess i could look it up right (laughs) yep (laughs) i wikipedia'd it um and she has a very short wikipedia page it's like a paragraph long but um the gender she is used even though there's no picture so hopefully she goes by she i mean hopefully i guess it doesn't matter um. the point is someone other than a white man directed this episode that's the point <laughs> I haven't lit my candle yet let's do that shall we so I feel like I'm not I mean you can see how long this episode ended up being but I feel like I'm probably not going to be talking about this episode for very long Because, spoiler alert, it's one of my very favorite episodes of all time. I just... I enjoy Jane Espenson. I enjoy the nerdy, funny stuff. The way that she does it. Um, I don't always enjoy, like, nerd humor. Because a lot of the times, nerd humor is just regular white boy sexist humor. In, you know t-shirts with comic book characters on them you know like big bang theory but Jane Espenson writes nerdy in a very endearing way in my opinion I'm giving her all the credit for this but whatever okay here's the I am actually going to read quite a bit of Nikki Stafford's episode guide summary for this particular episode because I don't think I have much to say about this episode except oh my god Andrew's so cute oh my god this is so cute oh this is so cute wasn't that cute so I'm gonna read what she has to say just to pad this episode a little bit okay Andrew videotapes Buffy and her friends in action so that people will remember the legacy of Buffy Slayer of the Vampires Storyteller is a break from the dark storyline that has been unfolding and is the funniest episode of the season. Jane Espenson has been a powerhouse this season, co-writing not only Conversations with Dead People, but this one and four others. It not only reviews this entire season for viewers, but also goes back through many previous episodes and seasons to explain the other characters from Andrew's point of view. Because Andrew tends to emphasize certain things about the characters, Buffy's glamour, Spike's shirtlessness, Xander's perfection, and Mary Sue's himself into the story in an idealistic way. And if you haven't heard of that term, it's used in like pop pop, pop, pop culture criticism. Anytime a character is a Mary Sue, it's like a character that's just too perfect to be believed. And Mary sues himself into the story in an idealistic way. The episode almost comes off like fan fiction, as if Andrew were a fan of the show, writing the characters into his own little story. The episode has several highlights the masterpiece theater opening, Andrew's view of himself as supervillain, the retelling of the Dark Willow story with Andrew as a formidable foe, Andrew zooming in on Xander's window handiwork and not noticing the more interesting scene in the foreground. Spike schmoozing for the camera, the pig running by Wood and Buffy in the school basement and Wood hoping it wasn't a student, Andrew's fantasy that he, Warren, and Jonathan will be leaping about in a paradise singing we'll, We Will Be As gods." <laughs> Jane Espenson has written the funniest episodes of Buffy, but this one tops them all. As this, I'm just going to go ahead and read. Her entire summary of the episode um, is like three paragraphs long and I just read two of them, so I might as well finish it. As the student at Sunnydale High begins to go... Students at Sunnydale High begin to go bonkers because of the Hellmouth opening up, Buffy and Wood go to investigate the seal, and Buffy realizes that the one who opened the seal with blood must also close it. The scene with her and Andrew over the seal is a touching one. Buffy comes off as ruthless, but perhaps she's realized that to get things done, she has to suppress all her sympathies, not that she's ever had many for Andrew. Finally... After being a funny character for so long, despite having killed Jonathan in cold blood, Andrew shows some remorse for what he's done. And we realize that the death of his best friend has had a serious impact on him, which of course it does. But anyway, so that's what Nikki Stafford has to say. I'm kidding. Getting... <sighs> Guys, I'm getting a little you know, when it's the last day of school, senior year, and you're having everybody sign your yearbook, and you're, like, feeling, like, nostalgic about every little thing. There are... In my episode guide that I've been using throughout this entire series as a resource, I'm on page 349. And there are only... Before you get to, like, appendices and shit... This is this last chapter yeah before you get to like appendices and shit there's only so i'm on page 349 out of 365 after today so two weeks from today we'll talk about lies my parents told me and then we have dirty girls Empty Places, Touched, End of Days, and Chosen. How many is that? One, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, we have six episodes left after today. Whew, that's a little... I don't know. I mean, I already know what I'm going to do. I might even do this, depending on... I feel like I'm... hmm, Maybe not next week, but um, pretty soon. Might even be after we finish talking about Buffy. Let's see. Let's look at the calendar. I just want to see. I'm going to just tape the whole thing off the wall so I can really look at it. Let's see what we're doing. Okay, so Lies My Parents Told Me will be in two weeks from today. And then we have another... Three weeks until we talk about the next episode, and then two weeks before we talk about the one after that. Okay. So the last four episodes are going to be four weeks in a row. And we'll be talking about the last episode of Buffy on May 20th. Oh, that is... <laughs> I mean, I'm going to talk about season five of Angel... We're gonna have our normal break like we do every summer, and I'm gonna talk about season five of Angel. At some point, I'm gonna recap for you season four of Angel that I am actually watching now. I'm I tend to have like a before bed show that I'm watching. Um, I'll just like settle into my recliner with a kitten on my lap and watch some dumbass show. I usually like it to be a dumbass show too (laughs) or something that I've seen a bunch of times, you know, and I've been catching up on season four of angel and it is so bad. Oh my God. It's bad. No offense to anyone that likes it, but I don't know why you do. If you would like to defend it to me, please do. I would love to share your thoughts on my podcast. All you have to do is email mixtressray at protonmail.com. And that email is always in the description of the podcast because I know a lot of people really like the show angel and people will defend even season four, which I think is just awful. Anyway. Okay. I only have two pages of notes for this episode because really everything's just like, oh, remember when this happened? Because I just love this episode. The, the way that it starts with the whole Masterpiece Theater thing where he's like sitting, he's sitting in an easy chair by a fire and he's got a cigar and he's got his like, his like decanter of brandy or probably scotch or something, you know, and he's like, hello, gentle viewers. <laughs> and I just, I fall for all of this, all of it. It's for me. It is for me, and I love Andrew so much. And that part, especially, that it's like still towards the very, very beginning of the episode where he has like the dry erase board and he's using like a little remote that connects to his camcorder, I guess, to like zoom in to different parts of the board while he's talking. And just the way that He Tom Link, who plays Andrew, does the delivery of like how just his speech patterns, the cadence, the rhythm. He just, he reads as total dork with a camcorder in a way that I know intimately, actually. It's funny because I never thought about this before, but as I was watching it this time today, just now... I was watching that scene in particular of him like doing the close-ups and like with his silly drawings on the dry erase board and it reminded me of me. It uh, so in 2001 I graduated high school. Yes, that's how old I am. And my I got amazing graduation gifts oh my god everybody in my life like my family made like the biggest deal out of the fact that i graduated high school i suspect mom you can correct me if i'm wrong but i suspect the reason is that my mom went on like a phone campaign and like called everybody in the family or something and like i know that there was like an invitation process like my mom made me invite like everyone in the entire family, like cousins I'd never met before, just like everyone in the extended family. She's like, we're going to send invitations to everyone because they're going to give you money. And at first she was like, we're going to send invitations to everyone. I was like, well, why? I don't want all these people coming. She's like, they're not going to come. They're going to send money. <laughs> and she was right. She was right. I got showered with checks for my graduation. I think I lived on that money for like six months because I didn't get an actual job after high school until like the end of the year. I graduated in May and I think I got a job around August or September um, because I'd quit my high school job because I wanted to take some time off after graduating. (laughs) And you know, I could do things like that because I didn't have all my income was disposable income because I was lucky enough to live at home. But anyway, the point of all this is, um, that the big gifts that I got, my grandparents bought me a car in 1986, Honda Accord, um, and even though, like, you know, as I'm graduating in 2001, that car's already 15 years old. It, you know, it was the newest car I'd ever driven. I was happy. It seemed brand new to me. Like, whoever... I Mom, again, you'll have to tell me. I remember the car being, like, exceptionally clean. Like, it did not seem like a used car. Like, the interior was flawless. It didn't smell bad i don't know if my mom cleaned the shit out of it which is something that she would have done <laughs> before it was presented to me or what but anyway my grandparents gave me a car for graduation my mom gave me a really nice stereo sound system to put in the car that cost as much as or maybe more than the car itself <laughs> it was amazing an alpine um, stereo with like good speakers and everything. It was, it was awesome. I felt very spoiled. It was magical actually. And then my dad gave me like three or $400, which is the most money I'd ever seen at one time. And I used it to buy a camcorder. That's the point of this whole story. I just went a little long on that, but (laughs) it's, you know, it's kind of a good memory because I had spent my last year of high school. I'm getting real personal with you guys. Whatever. It's fine. I I spent my last year of high school being pretty depressed. I think it was my first, what you might call a depressive episode. I think it was the first one I'd ever had because it was the first time in my life I felt isolated, truly isolated, which is dumb when I think about it now because I had more people around me than I ever have now, but, um... I had like most of my friends, either I kind of didn't talk to them anymore because we were in different friend groups now or whatever. You know how that shit goes in high school. Like, it wasn't like there was bad blood. There really wasn't bad blood with anybody. It was just, I was depressed. I wasn't talking to people. I was isolating myself and I wasn't really in the same friend groups. I had drifted away from people. And like my closer friends either had already graduated or they were younger than me or they'd dropped out of school. So it was like a big deal. My mom made it a big deal that I graduated high school. I think she was really worried that I wasn't going to. Um, so she made a big deal out of it and I got showered with gifts. Anyway, that's not the point. The point is I bought a camcorder. <laughs> was one of my many beautiful graduation gifts. I bought a camcorder and I still have it to this day and it still works. The settings, like the little scrolly thing to access the settings is not okay, but I can still make it work. (laughs) The battery still, like seriously, I can leave that thing for years and come back and charge it and it still still works really well. I've never had a backup battery for it. My camcorder that I bought like three years ago has shittery, shittery? Shittier battery power than this camcorder from 2001. I still break it out every once in a while and use it for my YouTube channel. But I was, I thought I was gonna be a music video director. That was my dream. I wanted to be a music video director. Not only did that not happen because that was not in the cards for me, but also probably. Anyway, let's not go down that road. That didn't happen. But I carried that fucking camera around with me for years, all the time, just documenting the most mundane shit, and it was like the best time of my life. Just. I documented everything I wasn't doing that whole like narrating thing like Andrew's doing or I wasn't you know I wasn't fictionalized fictionalizing fictional fiction whatever I wasn't turning my life into fiction I was just documenting it and I loved doing it you know just like random shit like going with the family to Hooters we tried to go to Hooters once And we got kicked out. I don't remember what happened. Like not for like behavioral reasons or anything. I don't know why. Maybe like, because my sister was with us and she might have been under 18 and maybe that's not allowed. I don't know. Anyway, the point is I was like Andrew and I saw myself in him, especially in that moment. And Tom Link just steals my heart. He really does. There was a video of him on YouTube or Instagram or TikTok or all of the above. I think you can find it on YouTube. I'm pretty sure. And it was just like a short or something. He did a series during the beginning of the pandemic. He had like gone home to like stay with his mom or something. And so he was spending a lot of time isolating in his mom's house with his mom. And he would make these crazy videos. And he did this one series that was doing mug reviews. So he would just hold up these kitschy, campy coffee mugs that every person has in their kitchen. And he would do reviews of the mugs. And it was just the kind of thing that makes me laugh until... I cry. And it's a type of humor that's very specific. This episode is that. It's the Mug Reviews. It's Jane Espenson. It's this specific type of humor that is, like, for whatever reason, it gets me. Liam Lynch is like this, too. If you guys have ever heard of Liam Lynch, um, you might not know, like, recognize his name, but he was known for being the creator behind Syphil and Ollie. So, and that's also not super well known. But if you've heard of Liam Lynch at all, it's probably because of Syphil and Ollie. His type of humor is like that too. He's just a guy with a video camera doing everything by himself. And his type of humor is just so specifically weird in this, yeah, very... I'm just going to say specific over and over and over. It's just a specific type of funny that is just, it's for me. It's for me. Also, something else that I feel hits the same sweet spot of humor is the talking head song called Animals. So yeah, if you want to know what my humor is, it's this episode of Buffy. It's, I just can't even... I love it so much. Okay, let me look at my notes and try to fucking refocus because I just got a nostalgia land there. Um, <laughs> When he's describing the Uber vamp and he's showing it on his little dry erase board and he's like, it was just awful. It was just awful. Which is just like something that somebody's grandma would say. It was just awful. <laughs> oh my God. And the way that he just like, it, it does, it, it's a very childlike thing, right? It's, it's possibly like the reason that I resonate with this type of humor so much is because of my autism. But, um, one of the, whenever he, like, Buffy launches into one of her speeches and he has his camera and he like goes in the other room and he's like, these motivating speeches of hers tend to get a little long. So we've got some time. And then he starts like daydreaming and talking about all kinds of other stuff. And then, we come back a few minutes later, and Buffy's still in the kitchen talking, you know, I just, I love every second of this. I really do. I wonder if other things that this, what's the director's name again? Marita Grabiak. I'm probably not saying that right. Grabiak. Um, I wonder if she's directed, let's see what her, what does her Wikipedia say? She's directed episodes of Dawson's Creek, Dollhouse, ER, Firefly, Buffy, Angel, Gilmore Girls, Alias. Okay, so she's directed a lot of shit, mostly, like, episodes of television. Um, So I'll just have to, like, keep an eye out for her name and what other episodes she has done. I wonder if, I mean, it might be, this style might be more credited to Jane Espenson, but I think she did a great job with the directing too. And it really looked like every time you were seeing through the lens of Andrew's camcorder, it really looked like a camcorder from this time period. It wasn't my exact camcorder, but it was close. (laughs) The one that Andrew had was much more high-tech than mine. Mine was like the entry-level video camera. But again, I tell you, it still fucking works. It works great. Like, the functionality being at a 10 in 2001, it's now only degraded to, like, a (laughs) 7. Seriously. Um, And that's just because of the menu. Because the type of, like, scrolly wheel that it is, it's like... Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, Okay, so... (sighs) Do I even need to explain this episode? So all kinds of, like, hell-mouthing is happening at school. Like, all kinds of themes that we've seen throughout the series are all happening at once because that seal of Danzelthar is activated and it's glowing and it's causing people that get near it to get super evil and possessed by it and all this shit. And, um... So, in the end, Buffy has to make Andrew cry. They don't... It, They don't explicitly say this, but I think it's tears of remorse is what closed the seal or didn't close the seal. I mean, it's still there. It's still causing havoc, but just not as much havoc. Like it was super activated, um, because of all the blood that it's been given (laughs) like Xander's blood, Spike's blood, Jonathan's blood, right? But if it can just possess people, why would, anyway, don't get me started. Okay. We do get some, some character development between Xander and Ani in this episode because Andrew's really interested in them and asks them like if they still love each other and shit like that. And they basically admit to each other that they do. And then later in the episode, they have sex and they decide that that felt like a one last time. And they're like, yeah, that did. It felt like a one last time. And they both look like they believe it but also and then they say now we can move on but it's like they don't believe that either so they're just kind of stuck in an it's complicated space which is fine because you know the end of the world is coming so whatever (laughs) um and andrew at one point is watching like a replay of the conversation between xander and anya when they're telling each other that they still love each other And he's mouthing all of Anya's parts. He has them memorized and he's lip syncing to them. I just, I can't with this episode. It makes me so happy. We get a little flashback to Mexico with Jonathan and Andrew and his dreams that he was having because um, Willow is doing some kind of spell to like get him to remember stuff so they can get more information about the seal of Danzlothar. They find out that the first was getting Andrew, got Andrew to find a specific knife. So this ties up some things for me because I was always wondering like, why would the first be wasting its time talking to Andrew, trying to get Andrew to kill Jonathan, Jonathan specifically? Like why wouldn't the first just bother someone else? But if this particular knife was in Mexico, then it makes sense that the first would choose to manipulate someone like Andrew. It makes sense because they were there and it makes sense. I I buy it now. I finally get to put that together. So the first had gotten Andrew to get this special knife and it had like words in a certain demon language inscribed on it that Andrew can read... So Andrew didn't notice the words in a demon language he can read on a knife that he specifically had to go find for the first, whatever, but he didn't notice the language until just this very second. And it basically says the blood, which I spill, I consecrate to the oldest evil. So this particular sacrificial knife had to be the thing to start all of this bullshit with the seal of Danzelthar, I guess um, <laughs> at what point Andrew is asking during the this whole situation where they're like interrogating him and getting him to like they're like hypnotizing him to get information out of him or something um, Andrew's like can't I have a cool refreshing Zima <laughs> you guys remember Zima I remember it tasting pretty good but, I don't know. <laughs> That's probably nostalgia talking. Um, what else? Did I write anything down that that is more than just, ooh, remember this? This was cool. Do you remember that time when Andrew was like, that was awesome? <laughs> anyway. Robin, Spike, Buffy, and Andrew go to the school. Andrew recounts the k- tale of killing Jonathan and he keeps telling stories, but then he finally like gets down to it, tells it like it actually was. And that's what makes him cry the tears of remorse. Um, one just like little thing that I enjoyed. So we don't ever see Andrew with the video camera again. I'm pretty sure, which is sad that could have been a cool little moment of continuity if every once in a while they just showed him in the background with the camera up to his face like that's all they would have had to do but whatever I don't think they do but at the very end of this episode they're at the seal of danzelthar like he's already cried his tears and like the seal stopped glowing and Buffy walked out of the room and Andrew's just sort of standing there dazed for a second and then he starts to walk out of the room but then he reaches back and picks his camcorder up from the table and this is a little thing but this is something that I notice a lot in tv shows and movies that things that like characters will have later you see them just leave them in rooms or so you know most I feel like most of the time, that little moment, Andrew would have walked out of the room and the camcorder would have just been sitting there on the table and we aren't supposed to notice as viewers. But I feel like probably a testament to Tom Link. He knew to carry that camera with him out of the room. I don't know. It's a stupid thing, but I just liked it. (laughs) Okay. That's really it. Um, what is my object of the episode? what is my object of the episode that knife was really fucking cool actually I'm not usually a wow look at that knife person but it was cool it was a cool looking ritual knife with demon language on it and it had it sort of looked like it was like a tarnished metal it was very like dark sort of burnished I don't know And it kind of looked mossy green, too. And so, I don't know. I wonder if there's, like, a prop replica of that knife. I liked the knife. So, I'm gonna... I'm just gonna put Ritual Knife on the object of the episode. Outfit of the episode. I mean, there wasn't really a good one, but I really liked Willow's shirt in this episode. It was... I don't know how to describe it, except that I have curtains that look like this shirt. It's like a beaded Indian fabric that's like sheer with sort of the intricate beadwork on it. I don't know. I'm just going to put Indian curtain shirt. Willow's Indian curtain shirt, just because these notes are for me. So, I know what that means. Um, quote of the episode. What is the quote of the episode? The wind was cruel. Buffy, slayers of the vampires. Oh my god. I mean, I didn't really write down many quotes. It was, yeah. Just nothing was like... I'll just put gentle viewers. Just because I love it so much. MVP, I mean, it's Andrew. It's Andrew. Andrew is absolutely the MVP of this episode. Five by five. I mean, you guys, I love it. I never give anything a five. Hmm. I probably do love Restless more than this. But I'm going to give this... A four and a half out of five. I mean, I don't think there was a single moment in this episode that I found. I mean, there were a couple of moments that I thought were a bit off. And there were little nitpicks, but it's it's not a perfect episode. But I like that it's not a perfect episode too. Like when they were showing The moment where, like, Buffy makes Andrew cry at the end didn't come off as super realistic. (laughs) I think they could have done better with that because this show knows how to do, like, effective, emotional, gut-wrenching crying moments. It knows how to do that. We've seen it from many different characters. It knows how to do angst. But... Maybe Tom Link just didn't have the acting chops to sell that, or maybe it was the fault of the directing or the writing. There was some, something mentioned in the episode guide, like an interview with Jane Esp- Espenson, where she had said something to the effect of, the director, Marita Grabiak, really captured the tone of it, despite having no time to prep the episode. So I want to hear more about, that like what was the drama there why didn't she have time to prep the episode like was she not given the job until the last minute what's going on so probably some of those moments that felt kind of like under directed or rushed could be the fault of them just not getting enough time to because i mean two women writing and directing an episode of Buffy that was supposed to be just like a funny throwaway episode. They probably weren't taken very seriously for the production of this particular episode, you know, anyway, so that's the storyteller. I love it. You love it. We all love it. <laughs> um, it's funny. I'm like three pages away from finishing my composition notebook which is what I use to take notes. And we only have six episodes left. So if I start a new composition notebook, I'm not going to be very far into that thing. But I mean, I do still have season five of Angel that I will talk about next. Um, like September, September is probably when it starts. Um, so yeah, I'll just continue with Angel after that. But I just had that thought like, I'm going to be wasting a whole composition notebook on like five episodes. Anyway, thank you guys for listening. I think I just probably don't have anything to say because this, this episode just makes me happy. And to be honest, like, I know I keep saying it, I keep saying it, but I am like really looking forward to watching Buffy from the beginning. And that's going to be my reward whenever, whenever we finish and we talk about Chosen, um, Buffy's going to become my nighttime show, which is what it used to be for me. Like after the series ended in 2003, I pretty quickly, like as soon as the DVDs came out, I got them. I wonder if I can find out when the DVDs first came out. Is that a thing that I can find out? I would assume it would have been within a year or so. I remember watching, particularly like my first, not my first apartment, my second apartment that I, when I, when I lived by myself, starting at the beginning of 2005, no, 2006, 2006, I moved out on my own. Um, after living with a boyfriend for eight months and I was on my own and I remember watching Buffy like every night before I went to sleep. It was like, yeah, it was like my comfort show and I would dream about Buffy because I would always be watching it like as I was falling asleep on my little Curtis Mathis tv vcr (laughs) and i would fall asleep while watching buffy and i have not watched buffy in that context for a very long time and i'm just excited to do it again um i may even like report back i don't know we'll see Um, but yeah, thank you for listening. That was Storyteller. I will be back in two weeks from today to talk about lies my parents told me. And that is the one where Principal Wood tries to kill Spike and Spike just like on his own, I think, figures out how to deactivate his chip or not his chip, the trigger, deactivate the trigger that the first has installed. So I think yeah, whatever. We can talk about that then. I will just stop now. Okay. Bye.